Happy Thursday, friends. You're going to love today's episode. I also want to remind you that today's episode is brought to us by our friends at Remodel Health. Listen, you know and I know that healthcare can feel like a necessary evil. It's often expensive, complicated, frustrating, yet it is essential to help you as you build your team and really for your team to to not worry about these kind of things and to have an amazing time working for you. In order to provide benefits to their staff, many churches are forced to bear the heavy burdens of insurance costs as an organization or to choose a plan that's less coverage and, and they feel like they're not really caring for their team well. How is someone like you that's been called to ministry, not like a tax or insurance expert, supposed to understand the complex healthcare landscape and choose a single plan that makes sense for each member of their staff and their families? Listen, this is where Remodel Health steps in. If you're tired of skyrocketing healthcare costs for your staff, if you're tired of this area really seem to be a drag, not a drive to your church, what I want you to do is to reach out to Remodel Health today. Take control of your health care budget with Remodel Health's innovative solution for benefits. The Remodel Health works with churches across the country to better steward their resources and better serve their staff. In fact, we've seen churches there that have saved as much as $100,000 annually in their health care costs, plowing those resources back into ministry. Listen, this is what I want you to do. Go to remodelhealth.com forward slash unseminary to learn more and to download this free buyer's guide for health insurance today. Again, that's remodelhealth.com forward slash unseminary to learn more and to download this free buyer's guide today. All right, well, let's jump into today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name's Rich. Super honored to have you uh, put us in your earbuds today uh, and listen in. We're, we're honored that you're with us today. You're going to be rewarded for that because today we've got Bobby Sasser with us. He's an incredible leader from a church called Radiant Church. Uh, this is a, one of the fastest growing churches in the country. Bobby serves as the XP. Uh, there are multiple locations. It's a great church. Uh, Bobby, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Rich. I'm so glad to be a part of, uh, of the podcast today. Yeah, it's so honored that you would take some time out to spend with us. Why don't we start with kind of a little bit of an, an overview? Tell us about Radiant. If people were to arrive today, what would they experience? What is, you know, maybe a little bit of the history, that sort of thing? For sure. Would love to. Uh, yeah, so Radiant Church is uh, is actually a church plant. We are based in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, mm-hmm. This September, we'll actually be celebrating our sixth uh, birthday. So we're kind of, uh, we kind of use the age and stage of a normal life. And so we're kind of just starting school and just trying to figure it out. <laughs> nice. uh, learning and all of that good stuff. Um, but yeah, one of my good friends actually just not even from the Tampa Bay area felt called. And uh, so about six years ago, he and his family moved here. And then um, about five and a half years ago, the, the church actually went public. Uh, we launched um, through the ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches. And they've been uh, just an amazing resource uh, to us and, and helping us through that. From there, um, we started in a kind of not like a nice movie theater. I know um, (laughs) and the AMCs that do churches really well. Uh, We launched in kind of the old dumpy dollar theater kind of feel. 
Um, and okay, yes. Sticky floors and the whole deal. <laughs> I feel like I've been in that theater. I can picture it. <laughs> well, yeah, there's one in every town. Uh, most people don't go to those. But uh, yes. honestly, just through the grace of God, we launched with um, about 350 in attendance on that first Sunday and had the Gideon's revival after that and kind of bottomed out after the first several weeks of the church uh, being planted down to about 100 and 50, and then just really started growing from there. And through the grace of God, uh, people actually came back. And uh, now here we are five and a half years later, um, about three years into the church, we launched our first site um, in a school about 10 minutes away and learned the hard way about how to do multi-site and kind of mm. some of that in year four, launching our third location. And uh, now this fall in August, we'll be launching uh, number four. And um, the staff uh, has grown as a result as well. So I was the first full-time hire. Uh, we kind of had a ragtag group of some stipend people that were working full-time jobs and raising kids and uh, just all of that. Just the beautiful chaos is the, is the term that I've kind of coined here. Um, but about two and a half years in, um, our lead pastor said, man, I can't do it alone. And the church was about a thousand. Somehow miraculous, he had grown it to that by himself uh, with wow. a bunch of volunteers and a, and a few people who could work a few extra hours outside of their regular jobs. And then he brought me on at that time, about two and a half years in. And uh, now we've we've got a team of, um, there seems like there's adding every other week now, but it's right around uh, 37 uh, team members that are here in the office with us and uh, doing what God has called them to do. And uh, we feel like our history is rich and we've kind of have a, a past already, uh, but we do feel like it's just the beginning as well. And it's just the ground floor of, of what God's doing in our city. And we're just excited uh, to be one of the churches that God is, uh, is using. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, why don't you give us a sense of kind of what a weekend looks like for you guys? What's a kind of typical weekend? What is a Give us a flavor for the service. What does your kids' programming look like? That kind of thing. So yeah, weekend services for us are huge. Uh, we put a ton of emphasis and a ton of priority on that. We like to tell all of our ministry staff and other staff that it's not the most important thing. However, they are blessed as a result of a good weekend experience. So just some key words for us. We believe that the weekend spirit experience should obviously be, um, there should be biblical truth. We would never want to compromise the reason why we're doing what we're doing, which is the Great Commission to make disciples. However, you know, we believe that Jesus was extremely intentional on how he approached uh, approach things. Mm. So as a result, um, we want to be a life-giving church. And so the, the phrase we have is we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church. And so mm, we have, we have a lot of fun. You know, there's uh, we believe in worship. We want people to experience God's presence. You know, the Psalms tell us that there's fullness of joy in God's presence. And so we're not trying to have a concert and a TED talk. At the same time, we want people to laugh. We want them to have fun. We we kind of have this uh, this philosophy of we we want them asking when is the next time can we come versus man thank God it's mm. over. Um, right. so as a result, we, um, we believe that everyone should be a part, you know, from, um, empty nesters to young families, to young professionals, to college students and students down to, um, our kids ministry and, and babies. And, uh, so we put an emphasis on that. We put an emphasis on, um, you know, radiant kids for us, which is our kids ministry and then radiant students, which is middle school and high school. And, um, it just, we, we try to make something where someone can belong before they believe. 
So you can come yeah. in, um, with, with life all over you, not even knowing about the Bible, not having a relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. So you can belong before you believe, and then you can believe before you behave. And it just as a result of the life-giving experience and the grace of God that we step-by-step move people along that path. Um, and so I don't know if that answers the question for the weekend, totally. experience, but that's kind of where we start. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Now, one of the things you mentioned was kind of the growth of your staff team, which is pretty amazing going from, you know, just you and the lead pastor and then up now to to lots of folks. I'd love to hear more about that. When you, as you've been, you know, lots of churches are, are, are having a problem finding, acquiring good leaders, getting them plugged in. Uh, what are you learning on this front? What is it that, you know, you've kind of been able to unlock with both of finding the right people and then getting them in the right seat on the bus? Um, For sure. I, the short answer, which I'll expound on is that I feel like the best leaders are built. They're not found. And, Mm. and I'm a result of that. Actually, I was in our, um, I was on my lead pastor's team in youth ministry and he, I was a rough, you know, teenage kid, uh, early college that had a lot of uh, stuff to learn. And he really took me under, under his wing and, and really developed me. And so I have a huge heart for this concept of really developing your staff or your team, whether it's volunteer, if it's full-time, if it's a mixture of both, that it's developed from within. And so the majority, there's some kind of specialist roles that we've hired from the outside, but for the most part, most of our staff exist of people uh, who kind of came through the church, uh, through the dream team, mm-hmm. our volunteer team. And some of them were, you know, CPAs and business owners and uh, various, uh, you know, military backgrounds, all of this. And just little by little, they would attend the church, um, kind of go through our assimilation process. We call it next steps, which is just a two-step class that gets them to know a little bit more about the church and then how they can play a part. And we call our volunteers the dream team. And so many of them mm-hmm. started through that. And it was just through relationship that um, we we have a philosophy for our staff that as you become a staff member, you actually are giving away your ministry and your whole ministry is now to develop and equip the saints for the work mm, very good. on Ephesians. And so it's, it's a big part of who we are. Um, but really practically speaking, it's, it's trying to find the potential in people versus, um, taking the, the flaws that have surfaced. You know, there's a lot of dirt out there, but we believe that under the dirt, there's a lot of gold. And so our job is to find the gold in people. And because we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for every human being. And so just really finding what has God called them to do? What has he gifted them to do? And our job is to kind of set them up to discover their purpose. And then once they've discovered that, they make a difference, um, which, is, which is a huge, huge, huge part of what we do. It's it's where I've, I've landed out now where that's what I'm trying to spend all of my time doing. Right. Why don't we kind of pull that apart a little bit? What, how are you kind of getting in, in front of people to even kind of understand them more deeply and get a you know, sense of kind of what's, you know, who they are and how God could potentially use them in, uh, in Radiant? For sure. Um, well, I think in the beginning, you know, a church plant is kind of, we, we used to say, man, if God had, we still actually say this, but if, if you have a pulse, then God has a plan. And so the team <laughs> of a church plant is who is available and then what we found is as we've grown, uh, this kind of culture has been established and we've really discovered who we are as a church, um, what our reputation is, who we want to be perceived as. And, and as that has happened, now there's more of a culture that we guard in a positive way. 
And so the we know what we're looking for um, in people. We we kind of know some of the key staff roles, especially being a church that wants to be multi-site, not because it's kind of the trendy and sexy thing to do, but because Tampa Bay is large and we want to be a local church and to be local means that we need to have a, a lot of a lot of locations so that people aren't driving, you know, half an hour, an hour to our church. So as a result, we've, we've kind of really found what we're looking for in people. So the way that we say it is that we, we celebrate hard work. We celebrate the person uh, that is there early to unload a truck and uh, to set mm-hmm. up. And, you know, a lot of our locations are portable. Um, we celebrate people that love on babies and, and students and kind of just the, the, the work of the ministry being, you know, just loving people, but we elevate team builders. And because if, if you look at Jesus's model of ministry, he, uh, poured into the crowds, obviously he had a phenomenal ministry, uh, to, to a growing population of people. However, he consistently pulled away to spend time with a few guys that would take his legacy to the next level. And so we the best thing we can do as the senior leadership of a church is to pour into the people who are going to expand things and they're going to build things uh, versus just do things. And so, um, you know, team building is a huge part. And so that's really, it's, it's extremely unsophisticated. We basically (laughs) give anybody a shot. Anybody can serve at our church. Not any, not everyone can lead. And um, as a result of serving, you simply just have a, a platform to show, um, and this is kind of unspoken, you know, it's not, you know, we're not showing favoritism, but we are giving anybody the opportunity to prove, can you build teams? Can you develop people? Do you actually care about the church? Do you love our, our lead pastor and his, his wife? Do you, do you, are you, you know, are you a part of the family here? And then as a result of building things, just as, as things grow more and more responsibility. Um, so we kind of have, if you remember as a kid, you know, there's a lot of the concept of learning how to swim and sometimes you just get tossed into the deep end. And so we are consistently doing that with our dream teamers, our volunteers, as well as our staff. And that's, that's a, a, just a real practical way that we develop people is through stretching opportunities. Um, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I totally get that. And and I think that's a great lesson to learn. I think there are a lot of churches who actually restrict leadership quite a bit and actually try to find ways to, you know, create too many hurdles for people. I love that you're trying to be open as possible where we can uh, to create opportunities for folks and really to get in their orbit and then ultimately see kind of how they how they do in that environment. And then what does that mean, you know, for them, uh, long-term that's, that's really cool. How do you take, you know, how are you able to identify from like, okay, here's someone who's clearly passionate. They're showing up, maybe they're on your setup teardown team. They're doing a great job. How do you, uh, go from like, okay, this person is kind of passionate and connected and energetic to like, what is their actual skill set? What is the way that they could invest back into the mission that would kind of be fully them, be their, you know, their full personality and gift set and all that? How are you trying to bridge those two? For sure. I think um, there's a few different things. Again, very unsophisticated, extremely primitive. Um, we're trying to make it as simple as possible. So we kind of break it down into a few different things to answer your question. We're always, um, we always have our staff pushing responsibility, pushing empowerment down. It's actually one of our staff values is that we empower people, which is to mm-hmm. give more and more away. And so take your example of the setup team guy, uh, say that he's on the team, say that he's showing up, um, you know, he's, he's a great part or she's a great part. 
Um, but the, the responsibility of the staff person who leads that uh, department or leads that area or that team would be then to, you know, continue to develop that person. So we have a, a kind of a leadership pipeline with our in our dream team. So that would start as a team member, which is we we hope that every person in our church is a part of the team because community happens there. Uh, we believe that people find their purpose there. You know, they get to there's just something about being a part of something bigger than yourself. So above that is a team leader and a team leader would have some responsibilities over say a service or a certain area. And then um, above a team leader is a team coach and the team coach is really leading at a higher level. And again, team coach is a hundred percent dream team or a hundred percent volunteer. Um, You know, they're not, not a part of our staff in that way. But they have a lot of responsibility. They're the ones, um, you know, a lot of churches use planning center and send out different uh, types of notifications about the weekend. So the team coach is actually over all of that. So it's not our, we don't have staff doing tasks like that. Not that we're above doing tasks, but we try to give every single thing we can away. So to answer your question, it's just to continue to give opportunity for people to have a chance to lead. Now, not everybody wants to lead and we understand that, but for those that are like, Hey, what is next? We want to make sure that it's not, a, you know, a few people that are doing everything and mm-hmm. that there's not a develop, there's not a culture of development. We want to always embody this idea that we are, uh, you know, obviously gospel centric and we have a mission at hand as a church. However, on the people side, we are in the business of de- helping people discover their purpose. So to be developed so they, they can actually do what God's called them to, to do um, in their community, but also through their church. Yeah, that's amazing. I think, you know, a lot of times in growing churches, we can find this pressure uh, because there's just so much to get done. There's so many logistics. There's just so much happening on the weekend. There's, you know, we've got so much gear we need to move around. We've got just so much happening that it can be easy to default to, uh, hey, let's just try to figure out what to do you know, to get done what we need to get done rather than, you know, the people that are uh, in front of us. Do you experience that tension and how are you fighting against that? How are you trying to, you know, develop the people that are in front of you? For sure. So we kind of, it's a terrible name. So if you in one of your other interviews, or if you have a better idea, uh, <laughs> we have this thing called, um, we call it the zipper, which is culture and systems, which a lot of churches, I mean, I know the other churches that, that say kind of that same thing. Um, but so it's not our original thing, but we really lean into that. And so culture is simply how, how people feel when they, they come into any of our experiences, whether they're in our lobby or they're at our kids check-in or they're at one of our, um, serve day events, or you fill in the blank of anything that is attached to radiant church. Our culture is how we make people feel. And then our systems are how we deliver that vision. And oftentimes I feel like, um, I've, as almost approaching this as a, as a consultant with our staff, um, I feel like that for the most part, in a very, very um, small way of saying this, because obviously people are much more complex than this, but really I found that people tend to fall on two ends of the spectrum and they either think task or they think people. And so as a result, I feel like we've got to empower even our staff down to the dream team. So again, you think all people in general that are um, a part of our church, that I want them to do what they feel called to do. And some of those people feel much more called to task or they they feel tasks kind of come to their mind first. And for others, people come to their mind. And so some people just exude the culture naturally and that you can kind of put them in an environment, in a room, and they just, 
they are culture and other people are passionate about creating spreadsheets and different things like that. And so what I found is that both have to exist together to create this culture of empowerment. Because as a result, I feel like culture has gotten us to a certain point, but now where we're at is that we are having to develop great systems to get us to the next level. And that systems aren't a straitjacket to culture. They are simply just a roadway that's going to help the culture expand. So to answer your question, I just feel like that we we are always going to have tasks. We are always going to have um, you know, we're in the middle of signing a new lease and taking one of our locations from a portable high school to a, um, a piece of property that will be ours, that we have to renovate, that all of this. There's a ton of task in that. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, who are we developing to carry out the mission of our church in, in that on Sundays? You know, what? how are we building our team? How are we investing in people that are going to take our expression of Radiant Church in that community uh, to a, to a place that it really impacts the people that are around that campus or that location and really making sure that even if tasks are heavy, even if we're in a season where there's a lot to be done and it would be easier to do it ourselves, who are we bringing alongside us to make sure that that somebody is doing what we're doing? So really practically the way, and we're kind of at the beginning stages of this. So one of my uh, roles is I directly oversee our location pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to we want to expand. We want to launch new locations. Uh, we have a, a big heart for our city, and we feel like there could easily be ten or fifteen campuses in the Tampa, the greater Tampa Bay area. And so, something again, we're at the beginning stages. So, ask me in a year, and I'll tell you if it's actually working. <laughs> yes. But um, like, I'm I'm having real conversations. If 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 we had the opportunity to launch a campus next week, who would be your right? Who's the person that knows what you know? Who knows? All, who could who could you take? And ideally, it's a dream teamer or maybe a staff member. But who have you empowered enough that if they said, hey, Bobby is asking for a location to be in this area and he, he wants you to be the person who's your right now and then who's who's yours in six months so that mm-hmm. we're creating a culture that every staff member at the at the point that we have all of the answers is the point that we have failed as an organization and a church. We have to be in the business of of making sure that we are consistently giving away our job and empowering people to do what we do so that we can expand. Mm, very cool. I love that. I love that idea of the zipper that those, you know, that they're kind of, they go together and how do we ensure that, you know, culture and systems work together as you've been working with your, your staff, have you found either side of that zipper, uh, you know, either to be stronger or another area to be weaker? You know, do you find yourself kind of leaning one way or the other, you know, just naturally having to, and what does that look like when you've had to develop that? Absolutely. I think it's um, it's a constant tension in a good way. And I, I don't know that it'll ever be. I think it's Andy Stanley who coined the idea of a problem to solve versus attention to manage. And so with that, I think I, I used to wrestle with that because it depended on the personalities that were leading at that time, which side we were heavy on. And mm-hmm. so I've just uh, come to the conclusion that until Jesus returns, that's a tension that we're going to have to manage as a church. Right. And yep. we're always building and there's always a system side and then there's always a culture. I think even the, the greater church is always wrestling with that. I mean, we have these disciples and apostles who launched the church and it was a strong culture, but then, hey, I need you. I can't wait the tables anymore. I've got to, I've got to preach the, the word. And so I need you to, to wait the tables and need you. So they're trying mm-hmm. to 
develop systems alongside creating the culture. And, and so I, I feel like I'm in good company in that, that, that we probably never solve that problem. Yeah, what, I think, what I think I've done though, uh, Rich, is just that at the end of the day, culture trumps everything and it eats mm. strategy for breakfast. It eats systems for breakfast because culture is who we are. Systems is just delivering that vision of who we are. And so if, if a church is struggling with the two, I think always choose culture and then because culture is is the heart of who we are. We never want systems to be the straitjacket of our culture or to be the diminisher of our culture. And so I do think it's necessary. And I think that's why you have so many churches and so many leaders who kind of bottom out very early is because they don't develop good systems and they don't have good strategies to expand their culture. And that's not just numerical growth, but just as just community involvement or whatever the case may be. Um, so we absolutely need systems. I believe that the church leadership should be the greatest innovators of, of how we scale something for, for greater growth and how we develop people to, to expand in that way. However, culture, if it's, if it's ever a question, I, I think we have to choose culture because that's who we are and that's what we'll actually experience behind the uh, systems and, and strategies. That's all behind the scenes. That's just the stuff that actually makes it look good. Uh, but culture is what they actually feel. It's what the what inspires the conversations on the way home. Uh, yeah, how do you keep that you know in front of people? How do you keep the the dialogue around culture present and keep communicating with people? How because it, it can be one of those things I think it leaks right over time. We're like we talk about it, we get all excited, we go away on a retreat, we define three core values, and then we come back, we talk about it for a week, but then six weeks from now we're not talking about it anymore. How are you keeping your culture in front of people consistently? Um, I think what you're saying, Rich, is absolutely true, and it's unfortunately happens all too often. It's happened to us. I mean, we're we're definitely um, have participated in that. We're just leaks. So I think what you said is huge, though. That uh, values. I think we have to be led and and continue to go back to values. So actually, in in lieu of what you just said a couple of years ago, we kind of established some staff values because we have a, a vision as a church. We have mission on how that vision is accomplished, but for our team, and we actually use these same values in the dream team. And so uh, from all the way from, you know, you're just an usher at one of our services to the lead pastor of our church, we have four values that we honestly have tried our best to keep in front of us. So just really quickly, just for the sake of knowing them, um, it's that we seek God, we pursue excellence, we create life, and we empower people. And so as a result, how we've kept that in front of us is anytime we do huddles on the weekends with our dream teamers, we have staff meetings, we have, you know, team meetings and department meetings. And, you know, sometimes you just feel like there's just a bunch of meetings. So as a result of not having just a bunch of meetings, we try to have every topic of that meeting tied to one of our values. And so mm-hmm. there's always going to be a talk. And sometimes it's five minutes when it's a huddle around, um, you know, a Sunday with just all volunteers to our all staffs that's, you know, 40 or 50 people. And it's our lead pastor casting vision. All of the, all of the talks, all of the strategy of the content that we're creating is attached to a value. And so every time we get together, they're going to be hearing, man, some, they're going to hear more and more on, this is why we seek God. This is how we do it pursuing excellence, creating life, empowering people. And so we just make sure we're not trying to do everything. We're trying to do a few things, trying to do those very well. And uh, hopefully that will make a difference in our city and that will make a difference in the community and that will restore marriages and that will 
bring freedom to the addicted. And that will uh, give people that have lost all hope, hope, you know, attaching ourselves to these values, driving um, the why of what we're doing forward and impacting our city. Very cool. That's that's uh, really neat for sure. Love that. It's cool to hear and to get a bit of an insight into what's uh, you know going on at the church there. Uh, changing directions a little bit. Why do you think so? Your church has been able to expand, keep launching campuses. Uh, you know, we know statistically that about fifty percent of all multi-site churches aren't getting beyond two locations, and you've been able to go beyond that. What is it that you think? is allowing your church to be able to do that? Because I don't think anybody starts multi-site with this idea of like, we're going to launch one location. Like they just don't say that. They say like, we're similar to what you've said, like, hey, we could do 10, but they don't seem to actually be able to operationalize that. What is it that you think God's using or what is it that, you know, your team has kind of been able to unlock to help, um, you know, your kind of multiplication to continue? Yeah, I think this is a, a whole big topic, but I'm super passionate about multi-site, so I'll try to be as brief and not rabbit trail here. But <laughs> I, think, I think honestly, um, I think every church that because multi-site is sexy, it's it's it looks good on Instagram and Facebook and all of uh, all the conferences. It's like you know how many sites, and so it is. It, it it's a big temptation these days. Um, I think that every church needs to evaluate: is it right for us, and is it even mm-hmm. right for us right now? Um, because multi-site is hard. It makes it, things complex. It, it staffing and look, there's a lot to it. Um, now, fortunately, we have great people who have gone before us and, and established some good stuff. So I, I do think the, the key thing is what we just said, and that's culture. So imagine you have, you have a restaurant in town and mm-hmm. your town is big enough for another one of your restaurants, but your restaurant's not that good. You don't even have a great culture. Your food's kind of mediocre and, and it's not even, you know, prime time uh, dinner times aren't even filling up. You have empty tables and then you try to do another restaurant thinking it's a, a it's a it's a way to grow revenue as a business. So we do that as a result of being in the church. We we kind of multiply things that um, that that's mediocre. And I don't mean that against any church. I think all of us are, yeah. could be susceptible to that. So I think making sure your culture is poised for multiplication and not just because all the other pastors that you follow do it, but like, is this right for us? Um, mm-hmm. So that, that's a whole thing is actually evaluate if it is for you. Uh, after you come to the conclusion of like, Hey, we are going to do it. Our city is right for it. We believe that, you know, there's, there's stuff happening. I think as a result, you, you really make sure your culture is good. So there's a couple of things that we've kind of done. And again, we've learned the hard way. There's a whole story to it. And if, if anyone had ever wanted to hear it, I could really go in depth, but to keep it short today, um, we launched a second location and had to just persist through it. It was one of the hardest things we've, we've ever done. Um, and then finally, you know, God uh, opened up a door for us to launch a third location. And now we we're getting ready to launch our fourth. So I think making sure you have a good culture, some real practical application though, is the way that we do it is there's need and there's vision and multi-site. Mm-hmm. So need would be, let's take, for example, a church, is having, you know, two, three, four, five, you know, you fill in the blank of how many services that they would have on a weekend. Um, there's typically a few primetime services. For us in Tampa Bay, that's sometime, somewhere between the hours of nine and 11. So when those services are in what we would call overflow or an additional seating is the more politically correct term now, I guess, <laughs> is, uh, then that's when we go, hey, you know, we need to actually, we need to add a service or we need to add a campus because we, people are coming and there is now overflow. There's, there's, there's a need to expand. Right. So I think that's part of it. And now what we're seeing 
is even campuses reproducing campuses because of maybe where they're uh, located at or they're in a different area. You, you, you can kind of fill in the blank of your geograph- uh, geographical area on that, you know, they begin to multiply themselves. But I think the need would be if, if you're actually experiencing growth. So, and, and for us, our, again, real unsophisticated, extremely primitive metric is, hey, our main services are in overflow. So we need to start looking at, do we add a service or do we add a campus? And then you can kind of, I mean, you could really dig into some metrics. Uh, For us, we've identified it as a couple of things. So that is, um, you know, obviously are people attending. So say that you're in an area and you have a heart to launch a location that's, you know, 20, 25 minutes down the road, which again, practically is a good number. It's not too close and it's not too far. Um, How many people from that area are actually attending your church. How many people, so what we'll do is we'll actually pull a report of how many people from the area has attended our church over the last few years, over the last 90 days, over the last 60 days, over the last week. You know, we really try to dig into the metric of who's actually coming from that area. Uh, number two is is giving. You know, you are, are we able, do we have people, because not that tithing is everything or not that giving is everything. What giving for us shows is that they're contributors. They're not consumers. And so they're actually invested in the church. How many dream teamers do we have in that area? How many small groups are happening in that area? Because if we have an area that has uh, several small groups, lots of dream teamers driving in from that area, there's some givers there, then, man, we, we can kind of almost say that we can launch this and it'll probably be healthy because our church actually already exists there. They're just driving 30 minutes to come. So where they don't mind driving, and this is a vision thing for us, they don't mind driving 30 minutes, but their coworkers, their neighbors, their friends, the, the parents that their kids play baseball with, all of that stuff, they're not driving the 30 minutes. So if we can launch a location there, and we know that they have our hearts, so we know that they're going to invite, and we know that we're going to have a life-giving culture. We know that our church is, 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 is a good church to go to. There's a lot of good churches, and, one of our, and ours is one of them, that if we can get to that community, then people that aren't making the drive will drive there if that makes sense. So that's a yeah. big, and then, so that's need, but then there's vision. So for, for us, we're in Tampa Bay. So we're about two hours away from Gainesville, Florida. Uh, there's a couple of universities in Tampa and Orlando, but um, I'm even thinking now as a vision side of multi-site of, I, I began to have this heart for Gainesville. I lived there for three years and um, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, from a, um, just the idea of a college campus, especially as large as the University of Florida, there's a lot of international presence there. You know, these guys are coming to get educated and being sent out to other places to do their craft that, you know, I'm beginning to entertain the idea of maybe launching a location in, in Gainesville because I feel like, but that would be out of vision. No one's driving from Gainesville right now. No, we don't have, we probably have zero dream team or zero, you know, all of that. Um, so that's where it's need versus vision. And I, I think both are right in the right season. Uh, depending on what God has has called you to do, um, I will say this: that multi-site from a staffing side, it's not hard. Um, it just it just takes intentionality. Right. Cool. Well, this has been a great conversation. I have loved this today to kind of dig in and get a bit of a kind of scene. There's so much we could talk about, uh, but I do want to kind of wrap it up. Is there anything else that you'd like to say before we close up the episode? Um, you know, the only thing I would say is that. That people that that church leaders, uh, whether they're the senior pastor, whether they're support staff, uh, whether they're in the trenches of getting ready to launch a location or start a new ministry, whatever it might be, that honestly, um, I have found this to be true that 
God can do new things, obviously, but I, I just believe in the Bible that says that, you know, there's, there's really nothing new under the sun. So I have, I have made it a point to find somebody who is doing what I'm trying to do or what I'm doing, but they're doing it much better and, and in a much bigger way than I am right now. And what I found is because there's some people that's going to listen to this and maybe they feel like, oh, I don't know anybody. I, I don't know how to be developed. So how am I ever going to develop somebody whenever I feel undeveloped is to just find somebody. Maybe it's in your local community. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's someone at a church conference that you bumped into. But be intentional church leader about growing your own leadership. Get on, get on the phone with somebody. Thank God for podcasts and the technology of, of the mentorship that this has brought us to, to grow our leadership. But I don't think it's taken the place of a, of a personal phone call of a, of a, of a meetup at a Starbucks or whatever, and to talk strategy and to talk growth. Um, because if, if we're correct in thinking this, that the rising tide in a harbor raises all of the ships. And so do not be intimidated by people who are better than you. Just try to learn from them and try to grow from their experiences. Very cool. Well, I've appreciated this. If, if uh, people want to get in touch with you, Bobby, or the church and kind of follow along with your story, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, they can uh, definitely email me, and that's on our website. It's just uh, the letter B Sasser at weareradiant.com. Um, I also, on Instagram at Bobby Sasser, um, don't judge me for my lack of posting, but I am on it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like executive pastors don't have the public um, Instagram yes. or our awesome lead pastors, but um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would still see the DM there if they want to, if that's easier. Obviously, Facebook, really anything. Um, it's just at Bobby Sasser on social media or or my email through weareradiant.com. Perfect. Bobby, appreciate you being on the show today, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rich. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.